welcome to episode four. We've been at this for four episodes of the Patriot Alliance podcast. Um, our mission is to encourage our community members to engage with each other in some tough conversations that are going to help us connect and thrive as a community. And we do that by modeling these conversations for you. And uh, Dr. Seiger and I are, are here to kind of model how to have discourse and how to kind of dig deep into conversations and dig deep through conversations so that we can come out on the other side with a good idea of how to plot our course forward, right? Dr. Steiger, how are you doing today? Welcome. I'm doing okay. Mr. Rivers, did you think that we'd make it to four episodes? You know what? I had, I had hope, but, uh, but it, it was scary. You, you never know. Scary. You never know. All right, friends, we are talking to you today um, just to acknowledge the reality of where we're at. We're, we're, it's January 7th. Um, we saw absolutely unbelievable events unfolding um, in our nation's capital yesterday. Um, and I think all of us are still um, processing and making sense of that. Um, the realities of the world um, closer to home, um, the pandemic is still raging as bad or worse than ever. Um, it's a day where I think if we let ourselves, it's particularly difficult to feel optimistic. At the same time, it was a day when we saw historic elections coming out of the state of Georgia, some absolutely amazing firsts, um, to say nothing of partisanship. It's just amazing firsts coming out of the state of Georgia. Um, and in the spirit of all of the complexity that we have in our world today, um, we want to talk to you today about optimism. And we want to talk about, talk about the future and imagining uh, a future that's different from the present and a future that's different from the past that was. And so today we're talking with our guest who's um, Annika Emerson, uh, Viewpoint School's Chief Innovation Officer um, about this complicated moment where we've now spent nine months in remote school, struggling through um, pandemic um, and starting to think about what comes next. We've got positive news about vaccines. We've got um, more grades poised to, to be doing hybrid school with on-campus instruction. Um, you know, I think, I think it's, a, it's a good moment here at the beginning of 2021 to be thinking about the future um, and thinking about what lessons we can take from the pandemic and set goals for where we'll be um, going forward. So. Ms. Emerson, thank you so much for joining us. We're so happy to have you. Thank you both for having me so much. I, I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation and I appreciate uh, what you both are doing to, uh, to model conversations and, and to bring our community together in conversation. So looking forward to it. Thanks for joining us, Annika. Um, so last, last time uh, on our podcast, we were talking about ways to, uh, what holds us back from engaging in certain conversations. And we were talking about it on a really kind of person to person level. And one of the things that we mentioned was about how uh, the pandemic, how Zoom, how remote school has kind of impacted all of that, right? As we shift today to uh, be a little bit more optimistic and, and try to see what the future is like, right? We're thinking about uh, what our goals are going forward. Right, and, and how we can learn from our experience in remote school and how we can learn from really the experience of 2020, right? What, how can we pull positivity or, and, and plot a way forward based on what we've learned? So in, in that light, 
when we shifted to remote school back in uh, the spring of 2020, what were what were some of the things that we were thinking about going into that? What were some of the, the challenges that uh, we were focused on trying to overcome or accommodate for? Oh man, back in March, doesn't that feel like about 16 years ago, but um, it's only, you know, how many, 10 months ago now? I mean, at, at, at the time, I'm sure everyone um, thought they knew what, what was coming, um, but ended up um, in, in whole other places than they thought they would. I remember, oh, it'll be two weeks, so it'll be a month, we'll, we'll be back together. And I think there was a lot of short-term um, kind of uh, contingency planning at that point of, of how can we, um, you know, just band-aid our way through a short period of time of, of, uh, of teaching and instruction and how do we take good care of, of the students in our in our classes um, through a short period of time. So I think there was a there was a, a rush to just just get up um, on a virtual platform. I mean, full stop. I mean, a lot of us are have have never um, taught via video cameras or or um, Google Meets or Zoom. So it was it was a lot of brass tacks, you know, just a lot of technical. How do I do this or that? There wasn't a lot of thought about. I don't think I speak for myself, but a lot of the teachers I was working with at the time, and I think students were just how, how are we going to do this um, for this period of time? How do we just get get through it? Um, not a lot of um, reflection or, or thought about um, any kind of transformative experience, but like surviving the day to day. I don't know if you experienced that Dr. Seiger when when we went in March. I, I did. And I mean, um... Uh, Jacob and I have talked a lot about at different times about the different roles that we have, right? And I think, you know, I'll, I'll probably bring this back up a couple of times today because um, it's it's so hard for me, especially like remote school through everybody home, right? And so the divisions that you had in your life and in your world that were, if not sacred, they were essential for making life work vanished overnight, right? And so I'm literally in the room with my child who has been doing remote school in the same room. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm going to bounce back and forth between different perspectives, right? Like me as parent, me as teacher, me as dean, you know, these different roles, I think I've experienced so many different things. But yeah, it, it very much was survival, was how do I get through? I mean, we, we stopped, was it one week or two weeks before spring break? And so there was this sense of what can I do to get me to spring break? Then we'll have a chance to breathe and hopefully then we'll be resetting and coming back to something different. Um, and then, you know, we slid into spring break and things just, the conditions got worse and worse. I mean, it almost looks quaint now looking at, at how scared we were then not knowing, you know, how, how things would be now. Um, but, you know, then, you know, we got to April and it's like, well, it looks like this is, this is a long haul, which meant to this, the end of the school year. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think even I, even at my most pessimistic, I don't think I really thought we would still be here now. And, and that's fascinating because I think we all had multiple points where we were like, all right, we just got to make it to this checkpoint. And as soon as we get there, you know, it's not going to last that long. Right. And at some point, and I think it's individual, I think we all had to have this moment where we shifted from this can't be real, this can't be real, I just got to last to, okay, this is, this is where we are. And how am I going to get out of that? And for me, that point that point came over the summer as I was getting ready to, to work with a new group of students, right? I couldn't go into a new year and make last year's excuses, right? Whatever it was, 
remote school being what it was, we, we had to go forward. I learned a lot about myself as a teacher in that time. And, and I learned a lot about what content I needed versus what content I thought I needed, what homework assignments we were doing versus what homework assignments we needed to be doing. So, so it taught me a lot about myself. I'm wondering what kinds of things do you, you both think we learned either uh, on the classroom level or on the institutional level through this time of, of remote schooling and through these adjustments that we've had to make? Yeah, it's, that's a great question. And I think what I hear you saying, uh, Mr. Rivers, is that, you know, at some point for everyone, you know, normal didn't exist anymore. Like we let go of that construct of quote unquote normal. And we began to, to, re to look look around at what 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 we had and, and take stock of what was important um, in our family lives in our in our school lives um, in our in a, in a lot of cases in our countries um, uh, you know the life of our country and so I think um, there there definitely were opportunities to think about what about quote unquote normal was broken. And I think that's what you were describing in, in your classroom that you found um, that some of the assignments and, and topics that you were covering weren't actually serving um, you know, the, the, the highest purpose or what, what you thought was most important. And so I think um, what, I have, what I've noticed is I, I have the opportunity to teach but I also have the opportunity to work with a lot of teachers um, is, is is what's become cliche at this point, but we have to say again, was that the bedrock of relationships in school just became, um, just came to the front in the way that it, it had not, I think we all knew it was there. And I think what COVID gave us, um, what the lockdown gave us, um, forced us to, to see was how important our relationships with one another were um, to our, um, to our to our well-being, but also to our ability to learn and grow as as individuals, and so a lot of teachers began to put that first. That cart became came first and got larger. I think it was always there, but it it became a much bigger bucket to fill. Um, is that what you experienced, uh, Dr. Seiger? Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of things actually, as you were talking, that were sparking for me. One of them, um, going back to this idea of like normal went away. And I think, you know, in a, in a really interesting way, normal became, at least in some sense, a kind of emotional get back to, like it was, it became a kind of goal. Like if only we could get back to normal. I mean, how many times have I felt that in daily life and professional life? Like if only we could get back to the way things were, it would be easier. Um, and, and this is actually one of the big things that's motivating me right now and, and really made me want to have this conversation with the two of you is, is this idea, as you were just alluding to, there's so much about what normal was that wasn't always working all that well. And, and I'm really afraid that, you know, we have this opportunity to see something else and, and that juxtaposition might give us an opportunity to imagine a different future. But, um, you know, in, in the other side, yeah, absolutely, relationships became so important. I mean, thinking, again, thinking about parent, as a parent, I'm, I'm now having to, to watch so much more closely than I ever did before what it looks like to get an eight-year-old through a day of academic classes, of academic work. And, and as parent, there's so much tension in that relationship because, you know, like 
they're at home, right? And home has been a place where they aren't having to sit and do math problems and they're they're not working through all of those things. And all of a sudden now they, the, the Legos are arm's length away. And, and I'm saying, no, you have to do this, this assignment instead. And, and that's, there's so much tension in that. Um, and it makes me both appreciate the relationships that teachers have with students, right? It's someplace different from home, right? It's a different adult. It's a different person to relate to in a different way, um, which creates different opportunities for engagement, right? But also like my, my relationship as parent has changed with my kids. So it's so complicated, but yeah, it's, it's about these, these person-to-person relationships. And so many of the people that I relate to, I haven't seen except in a little box on my computer screen, literally in months. And I used to like, you and I, Miss Emerson, we used to like just run into each other and take a walk from one place to another and have five minutes of really intense conversation about something. And that doesn't happen with anyone anymore. It's, it's hard to put a real metric on that, but I don't think there's anything I miss more than ca- the casual, uh, informal conversations that you would have in the hallways with students, with other colleagues. And it's so hard to build those relationships on Zoom. And, and the differences that you're talking about where the tensions show up, right? The tensions are showing up in places that we're, we're not used to seeing tension, right? And, and it's so different. But with those differences, I'm wondering if there's anything that you think is working better, right? Is there is there any what are what are the uh, the silver linings in this in this cloud that you know what we're we're doing better in, in that field? What, what what are some of those, Ms. Emerson? Oh, well, I actually just wanted to throw one other thing in there, um, just to just to sort of articulate here for our audience. Um, Ms. Emerson and I have worked together with Challenge Success for a couple of years. And so we were explicitly engaging in this work of thinking about, as the Challenge Success language puts it, like doing school and how doing school affects the way um, students, teachers, families all relate to one another um, and the ways that that might be contributing to um, poor health outcomes, poor academic outcomes, all sorts of things, right? And so we've been engaging in this for a long time. And so, you know, I think in some ways this, this experience with uh, lockdowns and, and remote school has given us a very different window into the very same problems that we were looking at. So I'm, I'm curious just to hear in that context as well, how do you, how do you engage here? Yeah, man, it's a perfect setup. And because I think uh, what Mr. Rivers was saying about the silver linings, I mean, the silver linings is, I mean, what, what you're, referring to Dr. Steiger is that school was a little broken before, or, or, or that's part of the premise of challenge success is, is some that a lot of students in our, in our, in our schools are underslept and overworked and overstressed and are, are having trouble finding, um, you know, a, an emotional, physical kind of center and well-being in order to do their best work. And, and I, and and I think this uh, pandemic, some of the silver linings have been, I think there have been opportunities to really think through new schedules that allow, I don't know if you're like me, whenever I have a meeting before eight o'clock these days, I'm like, who scheduled this? You know, I'm like, my alarm goes off then. I mean, I mean I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I think that like you, you, your sleep, I, I hope a lot of folks might be having more opportunities to find more hours to sleep. I think there's plenty of our students that are still struggling with that. And I don't mean to diminish those because there's a lot of stress and anxiety in the world right now. And so not everyone may be sleeping, but I think one of the silver linings is 
we were able to to think through a schedule that might allow for a little more of that. We have teachers, um, faculty that are uh, that are really thinking through the homework loads they assign. What what could we do together in class? What's most essential to practice outside of class? And I think students are 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 suddenly real seeing. Um, on the downside, I mean, they aren't having a chance to go to the football game or to the soccer practice or to, you know, a, a cheerleading um, practice or fill in the blankets, but it's a, um, but it also is a, is a gift of slowing down a bit and having a chance to reflect on, on what schedules used to look like and what we may want them to look like when we get back. And that gets to your goal setting, I think, question about this, you know, Mr. Rivers. Good. There's also something here, I think, just the, the very nature of being able to change so much so quickly. I mean, I feel like we've sort of been forced to confront the, the like inertia that keeps things from changing. I mean, there was no opportunity to say, well, we can't do that because um, instead it was we have to do this because and all of a sudden some of the, the I don't want to be so negative say excuses, but some of the reasoning that held us from being able to make some transformational changes really fast had to, out of necessity, go away. And I think, you know, in some ways that's at least created the opportunity to, to see some things at least a little differently and to imagine um, flexibilities that didn't feel like they were there before. Right. I, I think sometimes we get so overwhelmed with the things that we have to do and the transitions that we kind of rely on things that we've done. So like we already had, we already had this answer last year, let's just do that again. And then we end up having traditions that we just do. Like this is kind of just the way we do things. And as we think about good things that have come from this time period, one of the best things it's done has been interrupt our routine, right? We, we are not at all doing the same thing that we were doing at any point in the past because it's everybody's favorite word this year, unprecedented, right? And so in these unprecedented times where we've already disrupted our, our, our routine, what goals can we start to set for ourselves going forward where we can capitalize on what we've learned about ourselves and about our practice in this, in this remote time and really push ourselves towards where we want to be. What, what kind of goals are, are we thinking of setting either from the classroom level or, or the institutional level? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And I've been asking myself that same question. I think, I think individuals, I, I hope, have had the opportunity to, to think about what I've been asking myself anyways, two, two big questions is what, what has brought me joy during this time? Because I think, I think asking, forcing yourself to answer that question, even if it might be nothing. I mean, I think everyone is the smallest thing. Maybe it's a, it's a change in the routine, your routine. And, and maybe it's, you know, getting to eat lunch with your family, or maybe it's, uh, you know, Zoom meetings, or maybe there are, there are things that you, a little more control of your own time. Um, that, that there probably are things that have brought you some joy. And then what are there, what are the things worth fighting for to keep when we go back to quote unquote normal that, that you, um, you know, that I want to as an individual um, try to prioritize as a, as a teacher, I want to prioritize. And I think as a school, as an institution that we want to prioritize asking those same, same questions um, of, of, 
of what we want to fight to keep. Um, and I shouldn't be so negative. Maybe we don't have to fight to do it. But I think there's a there's a there's a pull back to status quo. There's going to be like the tide is going to pull back out, and we're going to be sucked by the the you know the. It's going to be easy to go with the flow and go back. Um, and so thinking ahead as to what what you want to keep, I think, is an important could be an important goal setting activity right now for everyone. Absolutely. As a historian, I. I think backwards and I have a hard time imagining the future, right? Um, but but so, you know, you know, as a historian, we talk a lot about like, oh, we learned the lessons of, you know, the last crisis or the last war. And so one of my, my concerns is that, you know, we'll be so eager to go back to the way things were, we'll be so eager to, or, or even we may find ourselves with an opportunity to come back more quickly than we right now can possibly imagine. And that in that process, it's like, well, what had worked before, let's just put things back in place because that feels comfortable and that's going to feel rewarding. Um, and, and I think this, this moment when that's not yet possible feels like such an opportune time to be asking these questions because we can't go back to the way things were yet. So if we can start to put into place plans that, that kind of predict that future. So for me in the, in the classroom, imagining, um, do I need to go back to an assessment structure that looked like what it did before, because in so many ways, some of those assessments that I had sort of relied on for so long didn't feel like they were working all that well. And I was watching students literally vibrating with stress before tests, and they they just could not calm themselves down. Um, as as dean, I'm thinking about how do we get back to that place where there feels like an organic connection between people, the 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 hallways, right? Like can we get back and be in the hallways with students in those ways that feel casual and social, um, but without the over-scheduling that makes everybody feel so exhausted? Like, how do we get the good things about school without having to just pile everything back on in such a way that everybody by February is, is you know, zombie-ish, you know? Um, it seems like one of the underlying currents of this conversation is around wellness, right? And, and I learned a lot about how we cater to wellness in this time because it, it, it's something that we have to think about, right? With, with Zoom, you're not getting enough information and you're not getting those casual bump-ins to be able to have any type of real idea about how that student is doing unless you have that conversation. And so for, for me personally, I've learned how to incorporate wellness into every single day, like asking my students how they're doing, asking them uh, to, if we need time from the lesson to talk about something that's going on. And as we go forward, one of, one of, one of my goals is to always have that going forward, right? To, to never revert back to, all right, we're, we're, in, we're English students for 60 minutes and I don't really care about anything else because the relationships that we'll be able to build when we're thinking about wellness Will be a lot stronger and and service a lot more in the classroom and out of it. Yeah, it, that that makes me think about like new new habits that I want to form as an individual, as a teacher, and then I hope as a as an institution that we might think through. Like, um, I I love how much more I'm 
I am getting out of the house and taking walks um, either in the morning or in the evening or at lunch, or I can zoom and walk at the same time. And that, that um, is important for, for my wellness. So how do I keep that even, you know, when we go back and as a teacher, like making, like you mentioned prioritizing, I, you have to, you have to go after the feedback in a zoom room the way you don't have to in a, um, and by that means like asking over and over again for, for a check-in with students. And, and I, my takeaway, I want to be doing that more when I come back in person too. I think I assume a lot in the classroom that I'm getting the, the feedback I, I would um, have gotten, um, you know, from, from body language. But if you don't ask the questions, you know, through surveys or through um, many different opportunities to get the feedback on what's working for kids, that's something I want to keep. And I, and I think as, as an institution, I think we're, we're asking ourselves like, um, you know, what is, you know, Viewpoint's mission all about, you know, love of learning and strength and direction for a lifetime. Like what, what have we been doing during this time that has shored that up, you know, as an institution and how do we prioritize that, that work? you know, going forward. And I think with all the, I believe institutions are just groups of people, right? So, so if all if all of the leaders in the school, which I count all students and teachers as leaders are, are asking these questions and making these little habit adjustments, that that's gonna be a tidal wave of, 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 of wellness and better and, and engagement with learning, so. Which, which then brings us to this idea of conversation. Like, how do we talk about these things? How can a community of leaders at all levels um, embrace these things and, and engage. And I know I've, I've talked with students in, in different contexts. And, you know, I think sometimes I hear from students, I just can't wait to get back. I just can't wait to get back. I miss being at school so much. Um, I saw students literally giddy when they came to campus for an ACT test or something. I mean, it just was unbelievable. Um, but then the flip side is you'll get those students who are particularly reflective and say, I'm loving not having to commute. I'm loving not having to wake up so early. I'm loving how much time I have to exercise. And I've really connected better with my family, sometimes to a fault, but sometimes, you know, in, in really good ways. And, you know, I think, how do we, how, how can we keep some of that with the realities that we have, that some of our students are traveling more than an hour to get to campus each way? Um, that students, when their schedules start to pick back up with sports and other extracurriculars, are going to have less time. And, you know, like, can we imagine a world where, you know, some of the, the found time that, that remote school created can still be held on to, even though those structural realities that shaped so much of our decision making before will come back? Yeah. I think it'll. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Annika. Well, I, I don't know. Go, go ahead, Mr. Rivers. I, I'll jump on second. I... I, I just think it requires a level of intentionality because at the end of the day, we're not going to be able to have the same time distribution when, when we have to physically go back to campus. I say this all the time. We're going to need an adjustment period where like you get me used to working five days a week, 10 plus hours every day, like I'm in my apartment right now. And after this recording, I might go take a nap. Why? Just because I can, right? And so when we, get, when we go back to school, it's going to be a different time commitment. You're not going to have that same time distribution. You're not going to have that same balance. But we do need to be intentional about how we are catering to that wellness anyway, because it does do a lot for us right now 
to be able to say, all right, I'm done for the day. I'll, I'll see you later. And I'm already home. You, you know, it's funny that I'm, I'm glad you went first, because I was going to say a very similar thing in a different way, which was, you know, to, to Dr. Steiger's point, like, and I've heard you say this before, Dr. Steiger, about priorities in, in your life that we can't do it all. But I think there's a lot of pressure for all of us to do it all, all the time, especially for students. And especially this plays into the, the challenge success framework as far as what kids feel like they should be doing. And again, with goal setting, I think it's it's really taking a look in the mirror of what is what is important to your well-being and your and your health and your engagement with with your learning because you can't possibly be engaged in a hundred things simultaneously and so um you know high school and middle school are all about exploring new things and trying new things but i think that prioritizing and, and really thinking hard about about what what is important to you and how you want to to make those habits stick and and what you might have to let go of um to because we all, I think, we all have realized we we can't do all the things all the time, and that and that a little bit of this um, this time has 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 made that very true to us. Because there's some things I do much better than I used to because I have time to reflect or think about, and other things I do way worse, like trying to collaborate with peers. But um, because I don't see you all in the hallway anymore, um, but I think that's um, that's something that we can all think about what again, what, what worked and, and how do we hold on to that? Even if it means letting go of something else. I, I didn't realize until you were talking, but how much I'm really thinking about time, past, present and future in this. And, and one of the things I think I see with students very often is this idea that like wellness, I'll get there in the future, right? I gotta get through these things and then I, wellness can be a future goal. And I think one of the things that I feel on reflecting back to the spring, was it forced a presentness, right? Like I have no idea what the future holds. So therefore I have to pay attention to what's going on right now, what's going on today, tomorrow, not what, what's gonna be in this distant future. And I think, you know, there, there's something about that, that, that encouraging all of us to imagine, you know, a present wellness, not just a wellness that comes after I get through all of these terrible things that I'm suffering. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, don't have a good conclusion to that point, but no, but it's a it's a great thing to to notice that you're even thinking about, yeah. right? Because time does look different from each of those perspectives, and we're we're running a little bit low on time, but it shifts perfectly into our our next question and one of our final questions, which is that about technology. We've always imagined technology being a critical part of our future going forward. But in this time where technology is all we have, like I was, I was talking to my class today, there's too much stuff going on on the screen right now. And it, it's kind of messing with me. So we, we always have known about screen time and the dangers of screen time. But it seems like with this, that's kind of, that conversation has kind of gone out of the window or, or at least been silenced because now we need the screen. So as we go forward and as we're, we're thinking about our goals for the future, right, whether it's through this pandemic or, or on the other side of it, what role do we see technology playing going forward? And, and how has this taught us something about the way that we're using technology? Yeah, because if there's one thing I've had too much time on, it's technology, I mean, to that point of like time and budgeting it, it's just been all, all tech all the time. I don't know if anyone's had the same, you know, I, I think the same, you know, 
you're getting you're getting an attractor beam with your with your technology now you know um listening to it's doom scrolling i think is like a, a new word now right that's out there like how do we how do we detach ourselves from from the world outside when we feel like this is one of the only connections to the world outside is is technology so um what i i think um i think uh, social emotional well-being so i mean emotional regulation and technology is is really something that um that has been um, even though we're not talking about it, I think everyone's experiencing um, of what what type of screen time um, drains me, what type of screen activities um, are actually engaging and meaningful to me um, as a learner, again, and as a as a teacher, and um, and um, I mean, I've I've found personally like like habits that I need to stop doing <laughs> like around technology when when that I've you know for the new year first thing in the morning let's not let's not look at my phone let's you know. Um, audio has been a great, great gift to me during the, uh, you know, let's listen to a podcast instead of beginning with my, uh, you know, this overload of information that can come from the phone. Because I don't think it's just technology, it's, it's access to an overload of information on, on social media that can, um, that can overwhelm us. So, I mean, the future of technology is, is such a big question, but I think it asking yourself again, what's, what's, again, what's, what's feeling healthy and balanced and connected about this technological experience and what's draining me and actually making me feel worse. Um, that might be a habit I can, I can look to change um, because um, we want technology to serve us as, as, as learners and teachers, not the other way around. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it, it makes me think of like, when we get back, I think it'll actually serve us because in the classroom, I, I don't have to worry about how I'm using technology because I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking about literature. But now I have so many more tools that I can use and, and, and technology that I, I've, I've been avoiding for so many years just because I don't feel like learning something new will do it the old fashioned way. I'll just give you a piece of paper, you'll give me back this piece of paper and I'll talk about your grade. Um, but now I've had to do it differently. And I've learned so many different technology platforms that I, I didn't know before that it, it helps me a lot. And I, I think it'll make me a better teacher on the other side. Dr. Steiger, do, do you take any, do you have any different uh, relationship towards technology now? Yeah, I mean, I always worried that I was, you know, some sort of like secret Luddite that, that I was just trying to avoid technology at all costs. But I mean, I, I wasn't really, I, I'm totally willing to embrace it. But um, but also always wanted my classroom to be a space where, you know, if students needed it, this, it could be a technology free space, right? Like talking about history, um, technology can be an incredibly powerful tool for a history classroom by providing a wealth of sources at, literally at your fingertips um, that you can engage with, but it can also be so distracting. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to an opportunity to be able to get back to that conversation where everybody in the room can be simply present in that conversation as present as anyone as a group of people can be you know still living in their own heads but you know potentially putting away the devices so that you can just just have a conversation about a topic and i'm looking forward to that so much but at the same time i mean i think we've found that technology has been a lifeline right it it was a tool now it is a lifeline how can we go back to it being just a tool that we use occasionally or the sprinkling that you, the, the seasoning that you add in once in a while to make it interesting? Um, right. Is that even possible anymore? I don't know. I, I, 
I think it'll be fun to explore that and imagine different possibilities for what the classroom looks like. Yeah, and I'll, I'll piggyback on that. I mean, what Mr. Rivers said, I think earlier was, I mean, think techniques to give different types of learners different types of feedback like I found like asynchronous video feedback like I can give better quicker now that I'm facile enough in it and, I, and others might be like I can give more individualized quick video feedback than I used to to be able to and and, and we can create um, lessons that can be delivered in at different paces in different ways so I the potential for differentiating instruction um, using these tools is dramatic and I think one good thing we haven't brought up that I think has has been obviously like is a participation bringing the community um, to our students having through zoom has been tremendous you can have experts from all over the the country and the world join your classroom and you can have our, our parent participation levels in in community events has been higher than you would ever get because of the connection so i don't i think that is another positive you know a, a technology that won't go away is, is being able to bring folks in virtually to these experiences so we can all have um, all hear the same have the type have a type of experience together that that you couldn't get to if you couldn't drive or he had family commitments. So there's there's some there's some good stuff. There's a lot of good stuff to be had if we look hard enough for it. Um, so as we as we start to wrap this conversation up, uh, we like to end with our takeaways, either from the the conversation itself or just from this idea of what we learned through this time and our goals going forward. All right, uh, Ms. Emerson, what takeaway do you have? from this, this time, this unprecedented time? Uh, my takeaway from this time is, um, is, is, is to really interrogate the question that is at the mission of the school. I think what I think is the mission of a lot, a lot of our educators here, which is what makes for a love of learning and what ingredients do we need for love of learning to occur? And to my takeaway is, is I need, I need to, as a professional, continue to interrogate and dissect that and figure out what types of changes um, the school might um, need to make. And again, as, as an individual and as teachers, we might, we might want to make in order to make that mission um, ring true for every, every team member here. So to not, to not, to, the, the greatest crime would be to have this uh, experience um, not lead to any type of change. So my takeaway is we is uh, as goal setting for the new year is to is to is to make positive change in a lot of the areas we've been talking about and how can we do that? I love that. I, I was just gonna say I love that at an at an institutional level. I, I I appreciate that so much. And I think you know my takeaway is just to personalize that a little bit. Um, and to recognize that that I've gotten to have experiences and, and opportunities through the last several months um, that that are just absolutely unique. I don't think I ever even realized that I wasn't getting to do those things. And and you know the the simplest is um, having breakfast with my children every morning in a in a way that feels more relaxed when we don't have to rush off to campus. Getting to have lunch with them on um, here at home um, when we're when we're all in a remote context. And and those are things that that just aren't available. Um, when I'm taking them to school. And so I have a closer connection with my, my kids that's come at the expense of a closer connection with my students. And so trying to find that balance between those two elements of myself. I mean, I, the work-life balance challenge is, is always gonna be there, but um, 
you know, I think this is this is really, I think, shown a spotlight on what I value, what I appreciate, what I what I miss out on, um, and and made made me sense uh, appreciate a sense of priority to try to try to um, find that balance. Mr. Rivers, mm -hmm. I like that. My biggest takeaway on 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 as zoomed in and as zoomed out as as you'd like to take it. My biggest takeaway is how well we've adapted to things that we would have, would have previously thought impossible and how many times we've continued to conquer the unconquerable and do the impossible throughout this this whole time period that hasn't even ended yet and it, it shows me that there's there's never a, an excuse of tradition or or just doing the same things that we've always done because we've always done them because now we've shown and now we know that we can really do anything, we just have to commit to it, right? And we just have to commit to the way that we're going to do it and then make it happen. Well said, I love it. Let's this do the impossible. Emerson. Let's do the impossible, guys. Let's do it. Let's do the again. <laughs> Mrs. Emerson, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. It's been so much fun. Yes, it's we really appreciate you in your presence. Any last words for us? This has been super fun. Noah, let's, uh, let's do it again sometime. <laughs> thank you, Ms. Emerson, for joining us. Uh, thank you, listeners, for listening. Uh, shout out to Ms. Davis, who lets us know we're doing a good job. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll see you all in the next one. Uh, you stay classy, Calabasas.